Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. It's a very <clears throat> strange thing to be a human being, isn't it? I'm, it's amazing to me, like what what it is to be a human being, sitting here and in, in the quietness of the hall, or just walking. Uh, everything that is revealed. It's just so complex, isn't it? Or it's just me, maybe. One thing that hasn't um, ceased to amaze me is that uh, that we're sensitive. We have senses, so it's kind of, it's a given. Want it or not, this thing feels. Huh? It hears, want it or not, it does, you know. If there's health there, you know, and there's a sound, bang, you know. Sometimes uh, pleasant. Sometimes unpleasant. Taste, same thing. Seeing, no choice. It's a given. If you're a human being and uh, the, the sense is uh, functioning, seeing is happening. So we're always uh, meeting uh, what we uh, see as beautiful and what we see as ugly. And sometimes we don't know anymore when we meet. We're really high on meditation when we happen to meet a trash can. Suddenly it's not clear anymore if it's beautiful or ugly. Yeah. But all these senses, the body feels. You sit here. It's, it's, uh, and you, f you feel stuff, feel pleasantness. Connection with the breath. The breath maybe slows down a bit or is uh, kind of fluid for a moment. And there's ease in there. But then, you know, it starts aching here and there and there and there and it gets tighter and tighter and the damn bell is not ringing. You know, and being a human being is a strange thing. Like, why would I be stuck in this body with this sight and sound and smell and touch? And if it was only these fives, we could maybe manage. But then you get all these impressions in the minds and these thoughts and it's going one way in a moment and the complete opposite in the next moment. I love this place. I want to stay here forever. I found my refuge. Get me out of here. Never. This is my first and last retreat ever. You know. 
certain conflicting desires. I really want to do the walking, but I really, really want to go to my room also. You know? And so all this complexity. When we, we come to a retreat, in a way, there's absolutely no challenge. I mean, we're asked to do nothing for a week. Can you sit there for a few minutes? After, could you just go uh, walk? It's going to be flat ground. <laughs> you don't even have to find a place. You know, you're just going to be walking back and forth. There's, there's no challenge whatsoever. Yet, you know, many of us already today or in a couple of days or at the end of the retreat will say, this was the biggest challenge I've ever uh, encountered, you know. A lot of the complexity, I, I believe, is because we're not at peace, maybe, with what it is to be a human being. Maybe we don't even really know. Maybe I should start there. Yeah, sounds more right. We don't, we don't know exactly what it is to be a human being. Plus the mind in this, its misunderstanding of a, about a lot of things, is expecting this, is wanting this, is, you know, is against that, and, you know, starts uh, picketing, is that the way you say? I'm not going to be happy until this feeling in the, there's something happening. <laughs> Help me spring. No, I think it's fine. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So in this, it's a misunderstanding of how, what is the world, and how it works. The mind gets all <coughs> stirred up. You know, disappointed and uh, resisting and wanting something that is actually not there. One thing, even the past to have been otherwise. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's an image that I like a lot. I'm going to share um, ideas completely freely. I might look prepared, but it's really like you, you don't even want to see what it looks like. <laughs> so I'm just going to share ideas in a very free way. And I'm happy uh, Spring said, you know, you, you don't have to hang, out to every, hang on to everything that is said here. <laughs> you can let go a lot of it. You know, so you can pick and choose what interests you this evening. I'm, I, but I want to talk about practice and what we're doing here. That's my aim. We'll see where we go. Um, so where was I? Oh, yeah, I always come back at some point. So this, this uh, series of image that I like, of, um, it's one image of, um, imagine a, um, a dog, imagine one leash, and at different point on the leash you have, at one point you have a, a dog uh, tied to the leash, and a little feet away, or further, f a couple of feet away, you have um, a snake. And a couple of feet away, you have um, an eagle and a hyena. And uh, so I'm up to four. I'm looking for six. So there would be uh, also um, 
you're too cute. <laughs> she wants a rabbit. <laughs> no, no rabbit tonight, honey. <laughs> so there's the dog, the hyena, the snake, the eagle, the elephant, and the monkey. Monkey. <laughs> so imagine all of them on the leash. And the eagle wants to go in the sky. The... Uh, the dog wants to go to the city, the hyena wants to go to the channel ground, and uh, the snake wants to go in the grass, while the uh, elephant, is there an elephant in there? Wants to go in the jungle, and the monkey wants to go all over the place. And so imagine the kafluffle. Would that be about right? <laughs> Choice of word here. So the mess, you know. So this is said to be the... Um, an image that describes the untrained mind. So I'm sitting here, you know, and yes, I want to be with the breath, but suddenly I, I'm thinking about mid-August and the project I have on the 8th of August, you know, and oh, here goes the elephant, you know. And suddenly there's, yeah, yeah, but in the past, if I had done that, you know, and then whoops, we go on the other direction. And then it goes like this, and I sit like this, and I'm in misery. And, I'm, and I start having doubt. That's, let's say, the hyena. What am I doing here? This is not the right practice for me. You know? And it gets very complex. While, as I said earlier, nothing is asked of me. Just, can you sit there for a few minutes? <laughs> but then I'm going right and left and, you know, and uh, questioning the whole deal here. And, yeah. and so the image that is used for a trained mind is uh, as if you put a stick and you have a rope for each one of the, um, of the animals. And the stick is really well planted in the ground. And so at some point, the animal just gets it, that it's stuck there, and it quiets down. So I don't know if it's a perfect image, but it comes from the Buddha. So <laughs> I'm not to blame. So that's the image of uh, the use of mindfulness. That's what we do here. We become attentive. And in this way, one of the many things that happen is that the mind calms down. The senses calms down. And we don't... It's not so much that they calm down. In my experience, it would be more that uh, we stop following every impression, every uh, sense impression, every... Uh, experience, phenomena that arises. Yeah? That's uh, one way to talk about this practice here that I love a lot. It's very, very primary practice of just attending to what's happening at, this, at the, we say, the sense door, the ear, the eye, or the body feeling, and stopping right there. So there's this chain of events that happen usually for a human being is when there is a contact between a sound and the ear, yeah, there's a contact, it doesn't stop there. It comes with a feeling of pleasantness or unpleasantness. Can you recognize this? I mentioned it earlier. You know, a sound comes, some sounds are pleasant, some unpleasant, some neutral. Yeah? And when this happens, a sound or a taste, a smell, uh, a feeling in the body, the usual road that it will follow is that there will be a conception. So I hear, it doesn't stop there. It's just not, not just the contact. I see the chickadee. 
and I see the cabin where I used to go when I was a kid, and I see that they sold it. And why? And they, they made condos there now. And why is that like this? This, this little chain, do you recognize this in your day today? This is what happens a lot of the time. And so that'll reach the condo peak, you know, and they built condos, I can't believe. And then, whoops, snake. Little something in the knee. Oh no, my knee. It's not just like, what is throbbing feeling like? You know, what is throbbing as an experience? It's like, my knee, I see the knee, I see the swollen knee, I see me in a wheelchair, in the hospital, <laughs> wood swallowing, swallow, 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 swallowed knee. <laughs> so this is how the mind goes. It does that all the time. So the problem is not with the sitting, it's not with the walking, it's not with the length of the sitting, it's not with the Temperature, it's, it's not with the setup, it's with the mind. I have another um, <coughs> animal analogy that comes to mind. At one point, uh, the Buddha, if I remember well, is with his, um, uh, his spiritual friends. They're hanging out uh, at the edge of a forest. And uh, it comes um, some animal, let's say it's... Uh, fox. A fox comes and stands at the edge of the forest for a moment and is looking around. He looks a little agitated and the monks and nuns and the Buddha or the lay people with the Buddha, they all watch the scene. Oh, a fox. Oh, looks agitated. Goes in the clearing in the, in the, in the forest, right in the middle of the, where the sun is. and Stands there for a second and goes in the um, like under a tree where there's a, a hole made for animals. In French, we have a name for this. I don't know in English if you've been gone that far. They <laughs> <laughs> mean that. <laughs> foxhole. And so it goes in the foxhole. Sorry. Good, it's good to keep it alive. You know. <laughs> keep it light. And it goes in the hole, and it stays in the hole for a few seconds. Then it comes back out, goes in the shade, lays in the shade, turn over, turn on the other side. And at some point, the Buddha says, you know, the problem is not the forest. It's not the edge of the forest. It's not the clearing. It's not uh, the hole. The problem is that the fox has a minge. Mange. That's why it's restless. He said, in the same way for us, it's with the mind that we have a problem. It's not with the situations we find ourselves in. It's the mind that is reactive. It's the mind that is confused, not understanding what leads to what, what is what, what can be accepted, what can be changed. It cannot recognize this. So it gets extremely agitated. I have another uh, little story here. So there's this young uh, person, Rohi Tassa, who uh, has the chance to meet uh, the Buddha 
comes to the Buddha and uh, does the appropriate thing at the time, you know, expresses uh, his reverence because he's heard that uh, this is a great teacher. And uh, I like the character because he has a lot of um, a lot of life in him. He's uh, is is uh, is very uh, eager beaver type. Maybe I recognize myself in there somewhere. So it has a lot of energy, very dynamic. And he says to the Buddha, uh, Sir, is it possible to reach uh, the end of the world by traveling? And the Buddha says, No, it's not possible uh, to reach the end of the world by traveling. And he, and he goes like, Oh, Ah, that's amazing. That's so simple. Your answer is just so simple. Like I ask you, is it possible by traveling to reach the end of the world? And you just say, no. <laughs> it's not possible by traveling to reach the end of the world. It's just like that. For me, I mean, I've traveled the entire planet. So I'm paraphrasing here a little bit because I don't have the, the text. But that's what he's basically saying. He said, I've gone west and east and north, and I, I got the Euro Pass, and I got the, <laughs> you know, I've been all over the place to try to find kind of the end of the, like, and I, I couldn't. I, I, honestly, I, I, I didn't stop for years. I stopped, okay, it's in the text. Okay, I stopped for peeing for defecating. And it's very clear in the text. He's, he's, he's giving a thorough report of his meditation, of his practice. And I stopped to, do, to nap and sleep, and I stopped to eat. But basically, I've been going at it, you know, wanting to find the end of the world, and I haven't. And so I ask you, and just very simply, you say to me, no, it was not possible by traveling to find the end of the world. So I'm amazed. And then the Buddha adds this bit that I find that that's the essence. We're getting to the essence of the teaching here. He says, yes, I say it's not possible by traveling to reach the end of the world, but it's not possible to reach the end of stress or the end of suffering or the end of dissatisfaction without reaching the end of the world. He says that to Rohitasa and us also. And he says, it's in this fathom long body with its mind and the perceptions in there. It's within this fathom long means, uh, so, uh, does somebody know that? Yes, you're right. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the length between uh, the two arms. That's one way that they used to, uh, or maybe still, uh, calculate. It's a unit of distance like this, so more or less six feet. And uh, so he said it's in this fathom long body, with its mind and perception, that one can uh, reach the end of the world, that one can know the world, know the beginning of the world, know the end of the world and, this, and the way to the end of the world. And you could replace here 
the word word by a world by stress or suffering. It's in this fathom long body with its mind and its perception that one can experience no stress, suffering, can know the cause of it, the end of it, and the way to the end of it. So this is what we're doing here. We're in entering, investigating uh, this fathom long body with the mind. And in order to discover, put the word you want here, stress and the end of it and the cause of it and all this, or the world. Yeah. I find it like it, I don't know if for you, when you listen to this, you hear like, wow, it's kind of poetic. To me, it's so not. I mean, also it is. But it's also very not poetic because I sit here attending to be with the breath or with sounds. And what do I discover? At some point, eventually, hopefully, I discover that there is a creating of the world. You know? Oh, you know, if I had not, da da da, and if they had not, and if we, and, and then there's a whole world that is being created, no? And then so I see the world in being created and also crumbling, falling apart. And then I come back to the butt on the cushion, cushion you know. So for me, it's very, uh, when I read this, I'm like, wow, this is exactly what happens. There's a creation of the world. And if it was only ideas, images, and words about the world, but no, it comes with, um, you know, it's really Hollywood-like. I mean, it comes with emotions. You know, it's not just I create a world, and then the world falls apart, and I'm as peaceful as I was before. No, after I'm all agitated, and, you know, I'm not who I should be, and I haven't discovered my purpose, or, you know, like, I'm all... Mm, triggered, suffering, stress has arisen in my creating a world. And then I come back here, maybe if I can, and connect with the breath again, or connect with the sitting bones, or just with the fan, and find maybe some simplicity again until I create another world. The world of me, the best meditator. The world of me, the worst meditator. Yeah? Do you recognize something in there of the fascination we have uh, with our thoughts and how... Uh, sometimes I have the, the idea that I live in a... In a uh, how is it called, this thing at, on CNN at the bottom of the screen? The what? Ticker. So, it, like, I, I'm sitting here, and I have, like, the schedule of next week passing by, and then, you know, and what I'll, you know, lunch, and what's my strategy around lunch today, you know, and, and you know, and it's, and this, it's constantly, and at some point it just comes back, like on CNN, you know, it just starts again, you know. Yeah, next week, uh, this, or, you know. 
And, and so I, I live in this little made-up thing, like large like this, you know. This is my world. That's what I live in. It's very safe, very stressful, but in a way very safe, you know. And why, why am I interested personally in meditation is to break this, to break this habitual way of being fascinated, enslaved by my thoughts, by my own constructions of my mind, my own generations of mind, fictions. That's, why I, I, that's how I, want, I call it. Although there's something arguing with me and saying, no, it's really true, next week's schedule, you know. It's really happening, you know. In meditation, what we want to become aware of, if we come back to this idea of being very immediate, very simple, you know, like just hearing the sound without the other steps that I mentioned earlier, are you following me? Yeah? You know, I hear, like coming back to just hearing, hearing, coming back to just heat, we can do it now as we're sitting here. This is what we do. We just come back to the very simplicity of the experience of heat. Not what I think about heat, but the experience of it. The beauty of this for me is intimacy, connection. In my dreams, in my made-up world, in my, in my uh, fiction, that's a lot what I want. When I do this, when I'll do that, you know, when I get that, it's, I'm, I feel like unconsciously I'm looking for some connection with the world. But I take the wrong road. I just go into some making of a non-existing world. Yeah? So what I do here is I come back here and I just connect with humidity in a very immediate raw way. I become sensitive again. What I like also about this kind of sensitivity that we're developing here is that it comes with, um, it's not immediate. One has to earn it. It's something that is cultivated, developed, but um, it comes in time with stability of mind, balance of mind. Because more and more slowly as I sit and walk and sit and walk and become uh, present more and more, the more and more I discover that I actually can be with what is here. I can be with this throbbing, unpleasant. I can actually allow that reality that is happening anyway, I can allow it to be there. If it happens to be um, pleasant, there can be an appreciation, a rejoicing. Wow. Ease of mind feels like this. It's not given all the time, you know. But now, ease of mind quietness, timelessness. You might have already felt this at some point today. At some point, it's just, it's just timeless for a few seconds. Wow, timelessness feels like this. I can feel it, taste it, experience it, really. 
And then the mind will go like, wow, amazing, timelessness. I just, it was amazing, I have to write about this, timelessness. This is it, this is it. timelessness, it feels like, you know. Then I come back, and now it's gone. It's agitation. Feels like this. So if it's pleasant, or wholesome, or beautiful, and I'm really present, I can learn to be with it fully, without falling in the habits of wanting to keep, wanting to have more of, you know. And if that happens in this practice, I just notice it. Wow, look at this. In this practice, habits of mind are revealed. So we get more sensitive. And also, the way our mind functions is revealed. The mechanisms of stress, of suffering, are revealed. The mechanism of uh, freedom and disentangling are become also known, felt. Oh, if I let go of my idea that it should be otherwise, it actually feels better. I have an I experience it in the body, in the heart-mind. I don't think about it. At some point, it's just feel it. Oh, letting go of an expectation that my mind should stay, that my breath should be, you know, fluid, or that the bell should ring, you know. So we say that this practice is empirical. We don't think about it. That's what we were talking about this afternoon at the Q&A. We feel it. We feel our way. When it's wholesome, it's known. It's recognized. The heart-mind, that's an expression we'll use maybe a lot, recognizes it. Yeah, this is a wise attitude. And something that is unwise, unhelpful, will soak in it for a while here. I don't want the next, I don't want the next sit, I don't want to go to the next, you know. And at some point, like, oh, this is so painful to have an opinion about everything, you know, <laughs> about, you know, the size, of the, you know, broccoli's too cooked, not cooked enough, and then the spoon is too small, not big enough, and then I took way too much, I'm greedy, and like, we feel it. We'll get a lot of chances to, to feel the bad habits of the mind here. But when we have courageously hang out with it, at some point, it becomes really obvious, empirically, like in the body, known that this is not a helpful attitude. And something lets go. And sometimes the way it goes, it's compassion arises. Oh, love so violent inside this mind-heart right now. You know, there's a kind of a caring. So I was about to say, if something pleasant is happening and uh, we can appreciate it without getting crazy over it, just like, wow, feels good. The air of the fan on the face right now feels good, intimacy with the world. 
And if something is difficult and unpleasant, with bringing attention, I learn to have a more wholesome rapport relationship with what is happening. Oh, you know, throbbing in the lower back feels like this. Bringing some curiosity, attention, care. This is how it is right now. So, I don't know if it's be becoming obvious, but I'm, uh, I'm going to name this. In this practice here of being attentive, there's no, the, 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 the mindfulness, the, the beautiful, um, wise mindfulness doesn't judge. It just meets the world as it is. And we see in, in that appears all these habits of judging, not wanting, resisting. Uh, uh, um, I have a word in mind. Uh, resenting. You know, all these habits that we have that take a lot of energy and causes a lot of trouble in our life for our, ourselves and others are revealed. And slowly they can be let go of, let go of. The letting go we can't do, in my experience anyway. I've never let go willingly. Like, okay, let go, come on, let go, enough. It doesn't happen like this. When I bring attention to tightness, at some point, letting go happens because of the caring, non-judging attention. In this way, we say that the, this mindfulness, this main quality that we're developing here, it says that it's, um, it's um, participative, not passive. And today, or in the next few days, it might arise in your mind like, God, this is practice is so passive. Yeah? Like we do nothing. Like we just keep... But in itself, the presence of a suddenly attention, presence, like I'll call it, like I use these synony synonymous for me right now, this presence is not passive. It's a new condition in the mind. Usually we go about things in a habitual way, with an attention that is superficial. You know, I see, like even, even now, like you'll, you'll come in the first night, you're like, Wow, these four, te four teachers, five teachers, six teachers, five yesterday night. You know, like, this, who are they? You know? And then today, you come back and you're like, yeah, that's Pascal, that's Spring, that's, <laughs> you know, it's settled. There's already a habit. Or the yogis, there are hundreds of, uh, of us more or less here, and there's some fascination for it, like, who's who? And, and at some point, you just know, oh, this is that one, that one with those shoes, that one with those shoes, that one with <laughs> this attitude. And suddenly, there's no, uh, it's, it's, uh, we have a habitual, superficial attention. That's how we function in the world. You know, we look just enough that we can grab the glass of milk. You know, like, we, we don't feel the glass coming up. That we, we just have enough attention to not miss the mark. You know? But here, what we want to develop is an extraordinary attention. 
it's kind of a, it's a, a deeper or more sustained or gets closer. I don't know how I would describe it tonight, but it's an attention as if I had never been here before in this situation. Like I've never sat another sitting meditation before. Like there's going to be a lot of these during the week of coming to a next sit. If you come with a habitual, superficial attention, it is so painful because you know exactly what sitting is. You've done it. You've like there's no point in doing it again. You know, you know exactly what it is, you know. But if you bring this other quality of maybe tainted by what curiosity, what is it to be a human being now? This is completely new. I've never had the chance to experience it before. I had this first teacher that I had kept repeating this, and I keep repeating it. Also, many of you have heard me maybe say that. My teacher, um, first teacher I had was a drama teacher. I mean, he was disguised as a drama teacher. He was a freedom teacher. And I heard him hundreds of times say that. Hey, we've never been here now before. And to me, that was really the beginning of my path. I was in my 20s, way back then. And he kept saying this again and again. And sometimes I would get a little annoyed, but mostly intrigued. We've never been here now before. That is a completely new experience. This is to me exactly the attitude or the quality of mind to bring to meditation. Even if I sit here for the, and in our case for the hundredth time, I've practiced with these guys so many times, but I have never sat here now before. This is complete. Do you see how I'm talking about intimacy again? Proximity? with what is happening, not a bored mind. I know, I know that, you know. This quality that we're developing here, we're doing it in this form. But what we want to do is to integrate it in our life. Otherwise it's pointless to come on a retreat. We want to discover what it is to be present in this way and then learn how to cultivate, develop and sustain it so that we can bring this in our life. Another story. One of my teachers, a little bit older than I, has a daughter. For many years, I don't know, every, every so often, that's a good way out of this problem I'm in. Every so often, my teacher would sit with his daughter, facing each other. And they would do this exercise where he would say, I am not your father. And she would say, I am not your daughter. 
So don't get misguided. This is not a soap opera where I am not your daughter, you know, <laughs> or I am not your father, and everything is, you know, then you have a whole year of suspense. <laughs> this is not it. It's this, I don't know if you get it as I said it, some of you might have got it, but when this happens, when these words are said suddenly, you have to look again. Oh, you're not my father? Then who's, who's this being? It was a way for them to cut through an habitual way to see each other, to bring mindfulness, full presence to each other and discover and so kind of get rid of the old image of father, daughter. I know her. I've had this daughter for 20 years. You know? But who's here now? If this is not my daughter, who's here now? And suddenly there's a freshness, a beginner's mind in the way I encounter this being. Yeah? So I've, I've, I've practiced this with... Um, Actually, uh, systematically, I would do it uh, at one point. I, was, I would do it before I met people, some people, especially one person. I did it over, I was working uh, every day with one person. And every day before meeting this person for work, I would just say, this is not and the name of this person, just because, before I entered the room where this person would be. It was amazing. Suddenly, there was a really like, who's there? Who, who's this being? How are they? You know, there was some added value of discovery, of newness. It was freeing. This, this is the freedom, maybe, that we're talking about in Buddhism. The freedom from the known, title of a book by uh, Krishnamurti. So what we're doing here, in my understanding, is a lot of this. Getting rid of my images, my assumptions my habitual way of meeting the world. I had another teacher who would say, uh, he would call it reactualizing memory. Would say, like if you look around and you see a plant, I saw it, I know, I know that plant, I know this kind of plant, plant. I already have an image of that in my mind. You know? And he would say, like, why not actualize it? I have a latest version of that kind of plant, you know? As you're there, you know, and seeing anyway. Why? why just block it off with a concept plan, you know. Why not be there for it? And then, oh, spring. I've known spring for a, a dozen years now, a dozen years, I think, now. You know, I could really dismiss it, dismiss her very quickly, like, not in a uh, hating way, but just like, not be there for the, that experience of seeing. So, um, maybe to finish here, these few words, I hope there's something helpful in that for you, like helping a little bit frame this practice. Um, I'll just say, maybe to bring a little something dramatic. Um, when I was 25, uh, one day I went to the doctor in a habitual way. And he really shook me out of my <laughs> habitual way because he told me, oh, the result of your tests are really bad. You're actually dying, basically. 
and you have just a few years to live. You have this, you have this thing that kills every, every, every gay man these days. Yeah. And, uh, and I really thought I would, it was such a shock because I had a habitual way of considering moi. Like I, I will be there for eternity. I, it just, I would not have said that in a conversation, but that's how I was holding the moi, you know. It's there forever, it's young forever, it's healthy forever, it's youthful, yeah. And suddenly there was this shock to the system. The shock was so, it so shocked me out of my habitual way of seeing the world that I thought I would actually become crazy. Because I couldn't reorganize my world. It was, it was so, such a crash that it was, it was extremely distressing. And uh, I went to see this drama teacher, disguised as drama teacher guy. And um, he said to me, he said, oh, I was in a similar situation one time. I was at... Uh, I was a young man, early 20s, maybe not even 20s, at, uh, sent to war. And he said, I was, I couldn't rec, like I couldn't, it was so stressful. I couldn't know what was potentially harmful, what was not. Like I couldn't decipher the world I was in. And, and, and it was crazy making. And he said, what helped me uh, get out of trouble was to actually he said, I started by his own, kind of coached himself into it. He said, I just decided I, I will just see red. I will see, acknowledge the color red when I see it. And then he said, after a while, I would just see, okay, now I'm going to see green, see green. So do you see what he was doing? He was actually calming his mind from all mental formations that he, this is going to happen, blah, 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 like all kinds of really horrific mental construction and coming back to the present and really noticing the present moment. And he said that kept him sane. That was his way to actually survive this. And so he said, now you don't want to be too much in your head. You want to be in your body. So you have to invest all your attention in your body. So body meaning the senses of seeing, hearing, touching, uh, some, something like this. You have to come back to the body because your mind is not a good friend. There's Natalie Goldberg that says, uh, what does she say? She says, your mind, is, if I'm, I hope I have the right person here. So one wise being says, <laughs> your mind is a dangerous neighborhood. You don't want to go there alone. <laughs> you want to bring presence or mindfulness attention there. She also, if it's her, she also <laughs> says, if it happens to be her, she also says, if your problems seem more real than the fact that you're sitting, you have a problem. You might enjoy learning meditation. Yeah. So anyway, my teacher said that to me and I, I, and I really took it on. I decided I would actually be in the body. And so I committed again. And any time I was like going up there to create some horrific images 
of death. You know, I would just come back in the body, come back in the body. And in this way, I think I was able to ease some of the stress that was there. And it became a practice of a lifetime to actually be here now. So these are already a lot of uh, words. So let's sit just for a couple of minutes to uh, let the words uh, dissipate. So in this practice, we could think that uh, we stop for a few moments telling the the world what it is, and we let it, through the senses, reveal itself in its own time, in its own rhythm. And it has has a lot to reveal. But it will take a good listener. So may our practice uh, contribute to open our mind and heart, open our senses, and help find freedom in this life, in this beingness. Find freedom and maybe even offer freedom and protection. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.